Welcome to What's the Binge, the podcast where we talk about the movies and TV shows that are binge-worthy of your time. I'm Ryan LaFort, and I'm joined by my co-host, Charlie Pingle. How's it going, Charlie? Good, so far. Good, glad to hear it. All right, so the way this podcast works is me and Charlie will be talking about a show that each of us have been binging and why you should too. We'll get the ball rolling with Charlie. So, Charlie, what's the binge? What have you been watching lately? I just finished up BoJack Horseman, and I know I'm behind the curve on that, but uh, I'd love to talk about it. Yeah, of course. So um, if you could just tell us what it is about and just kind of why other people should be watching it too. Yeah, sure. BoJack Horseman is an animated comedy show. It takes place in a world where uh, animals and animal humanoids uh, coexist in harmony and it follows one man who is also a horse uh, who is the former star of a family sitcom grappling with his life and addictions and faults and the people he interacts with on a daily basis. And uh, as they would say, hijinks ensue. And it's a very interesting uh, dive in stardom that you haven't seen before. So, Yeah, I, I think it's really funny that this is the first time you've watched it because I feel like this is a show that you would you would have like found like right from the get-go because like in 2014 that was when the first season aired and the only reason i knew anything about it is because my uh, cousin uh he it was the only thing he talked about for like a solid like month and a half (laughs) everyone who is anybody should be watching it just because you know he had just moved out to la and the whole majority of the series takes place in la so he just thought it was the funniest thing ever to be like watching the show as he was moving to LA and seeing the whole like LA culture and the film industry and Hollywood and all that. And he just thought it was a very comedic look at the whole industry with celebrities and everything. I, I, so so I'm, I'm very interested to hear that this is like your first time watching it all the way through. Yeah. So I gave season, I gave the show a try, you know, a little after it first came out uh, when I was in high school and I remember watching season one and kind of being into it, but for some reason it just wasn't clicking with me. And then I like the show just ended and everybody's talking about it. And it's all over meme culture and all that. So I thought I'd go back and, you know, give it a try. Um, Cause I hear people talking, talk, people like to talk bad on this one, um, but there's also people who just can't stop talking about it. Um, so I give it a watch and there's actually a lot to love here. I didn't realize how sort of deep it goes into its themes along with having that weird wacky aspect where you have, uh, just a weird bevy of celebrity voices, like actual celebrities lending their voices to making fun of themselves and the industry they're in. And it does a really good job of making fun of uh, an industry that it's a part of. It's it's very weird. The show's got a lot of dimensions to it, um, and I definitely uh, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. Um, well, it's, so I think one of, one of the things that I like really noticed about the show was I think I watched the first like four episodes when I was like a sophomore or junior in high school. And I remember watching it, and I thought for the first couple episodes, oh, this is just a show that's all about the critiques of Hollywood and uh, Hollywood fandom and stardom and all that stuff. And then, like, I think it was, like, by the fourth episode, they start, like, talking about things like anxiety and depression and things like that. And I remember going, this isn't, like, anything else I've ever seen in, in, like, an adult animated cartoon before. Like, a lot of of the times, like, you know, you have, like, these shows like The Simpsons and Family Guy, and, you know, it's just kind of, like, nautical like nonsense where you're just talking about like oh it's so funny being a part of a family or it's so funny kind of being in being a part of like a day and age when this is happening you know a lot of satire and stuff like that but i found with this while it does pack in a lot of satire i mean just on like celebrities and just famous people in general it also kind of talks about coin 
which is kind of the whole deal with, you know, what is it actually like being a celebrity? It's not, it's not, you know, you're on the magazine, uh, you're on the cover of a magazine all the time. You're not like the big star that gets like their name on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You like, you're, you're, you're a real person that's dealing with things like uh, depression and like all of this fame just kind of going to your head. And I, I didn't realize that's what it was going to be about when I started watching the first season. But after that, I was just, I just knew that this was something that was so different from anything else on TV that I had watched before. I mean, it was just a crazy outlet for someone to tell those kinds of stories. Yeah, it's weird. It's one of those where it starts out and you're ready for it to be something. And then by like, for me, it was episode seven was kind of a turning point where they just stopped with the humor for a sec and got really deep into themes of uh, addiction and depression. And and the way the route it takes, um, it can get a little um, heavy handed and lengthy sometimes. But even then, it's doing something not a lot of animated shows like to do and stick to. Um, and along with that, it takes place in this weird world where you got like animal people hanging out. And for the first few episodes, that's kind of like a bit and it's a joke and you're with it. And then you kind of forget that's the case, except for the occasional animal joke thrown in there. But it just kind of becomes natural to be in this world. And it's another one of those shows that just gets you into a sense of normalcy with the world it's in and just kind of helps you stay in there. And it's, you know, with the word play and all that, it's great. But then it gets serious. And there's there's these really great monologues in the later seasons, too, that the main characters have where you're just like, wow, it has a lot to say that animated shows with a goofy gag oftentimes don't. And when they do, it's, it's short-winded and doesn't really mean anything or it's already been said somewhere else. So it's really neat to have a show that kind of progresses like this. And it's really gained a fandom, I think, for that reason it's it's in a way it does a lot of subversive things uh, with its themes and with its characters that you know you wouldn't expect especially in those later seasons yeah well i i think it's really funny that you're talking about the characters because i was i was re-watching that um the one episode is where bojack is giving a eulogy at a funeral and yeah. that's the, that's literally the entire episode it's just bojack doing a monologue for about like 25 minutes <sighs> And it's it, it, it and it's this funny thing where like he he's giving a monologue and he's talking about like you know he, he's being very like funny with it you know he's like making jokes about getting free churros before coming in but then he's also talking about like the the effect that this person had on his life and almost kind of like how it really like changed the person but it, it it's all one monologue it's just all yeah. one it's, it's just one continuous thing and I think something that's so great is that uh Will Arnett. The person that plays BoJack Horseman, uh, he's been in Arrested Development and a lot of other very funny shows throughout the past couple of years. Um, he gets very little credit in this show. Like, oh, like I don't think he's won like a, too many awards and he hasn't gotten no. like no. But I think that he gets probably one of the best performances of his career, playing a man who is also a horse. <laughs> well, it's like it's a vocal performance, and those are so impressive, and I don't think ever get enough credit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the whole show is just full of these very great characters that are played by these very great actors. I mean, was you got um Princess Carolyn, who is the agent to BoJack Horseman, uh, played by Amy Sardanis. And she is so great because she gives that perspective of just kind of like what it means to be a working woman in Hollywood. And especially because she's an agent, it, it, you just see the whole other side of the industry where it's, you know, it's a very cutthroat world. But then it's also a world that takes up a lot of your time because, you know, it. it she's depicted as this person that just comes running in to fix Bojack's mistakes. And you see that it takes a toll on her as a person. And it, and it just like, you don't really get into that until probably I'd say like the later part of season one. And I think that, that, that those, those episodes where it's just princess Carolyn and they're focusing on one story about one character who's kind of 
thrown into this weird mesh of a world that is just so profound to see it portrayed by literally people that look like animals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and then it, the way it balances that out, well, because there's so then there's also the episode. Uh, it's similar to the eulogy one where it runs on one theme is the one where he goes to the underwater music festival, and he's got oh. this fishbowl helmet thing on his head the whole time so he can breathe underwater for the film festival. But he doesn't. He can't hear anything or understand anybody who's talking to him. And so the whole time it just kind of takes on this Charlie Chaplin esque journey of like slapstick as he's navigating this world without being able to understand what's going on. And then there's, and, and it gets into this weird theme where he finds a little child and he nurses it and brings it back to its mom. And it's really interesting how it does that. And then at the end, he finally figures out that there's a voice button. And so this episode's got this whole gag and then it ends with this punchline where he finds the voice button. He's like, oh God, and then it, and then it cuts. And then the episode's over. Yeah, well, like, thing that's so cool about the show is that it does episodes like that, mm-hmm. you know? It, 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 it takes a narrative structure and completely just flips it on its head. Yeah. Well, and there's no reason for an animated show to do a bottle episode like the funeral episode, but it does it. And again, it, it's, it follows this, this line of humor slowly transitioning into tragedy. And then it ends with a punchline, you know, and as spoiler alert for this episode, but he's, he's going through this whole monologue about his mother and what it, and what she meant to him and what her death meant to him. And then at the very end, he looks out in the audience and realizes he's at the wrong funeral. Yeah, no, I, I have to say, like, I've never seen a show that deals with, like, themes of depression that is also, like, makes me, like, laugh out loud mm-hmm. all the time. I, like, I don't think there's ever been an episode of Bojack Horseman where I just don't laugh. Like, I, I think that the jokes are very well-timed, and it's a very just kind of – I mean, it's just a very entertaining thing to binge. I mean, I, I don't think there was ever a time that a season came out where I didn't, like, watch it all within one week because it was just so funny in the way that it talks about these very serious things – but it also makes the viewer listen. You know, you, you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those where the, the comedy sort of draws you into paying attention to what they're saying, to pay attention to what's going on. And then once it gets into its themes, you're there for it and you're listening to it because you don't see it coming and then it hits you. And the way the show sort of emotionally manipulates, to a positive extent, the viewer uh, really – changes the way you come out of the show because you go in and you're like ha 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 oh and then you come out and you're like wow um and that's sort of how the seasons progress too i noticed the last season especially is kind of the first one to deal with his age and it's just mm. like it's where everything starts to come full circle and be accepted but it doesn't give you typical emotional payoffs because it no longer has to because you're there and you're in it and you're ready for it yeah i, I mean honestly there are a lot of people saying that like there needs to be a seventh season or something like that because Netflix, um, I don't know if you knew this, but Netflix like canceled a bunch of um, uh, Raphael Bob Watkinson's um, uh, shows on Netflix. Like they get another one called Tuca and Birdie that came out uh, a couple years ago and it only made one season and it was one of the best rated shows on Netflix and it just got canceled. And then Bojack Horseman was given one last season before they canceled it. And so a lot of people are like trying to get another season going, but I honestly don't think there needs to be another season of the show. I think they, they, they did what they needed to do. They were very respectful of when it was time to quit. And I think that ending it on six seasons was a very good note. I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, so I personally, so season five was where for me, I kind of started to get into that point where I was like, what more does the show have to say? And then season six rolls around and it starts to say something new, starts to sort of push towards this theme of acceptance that it hasn't really reached yet. 
and it starts to roll around through it. And then when the show finally ended, I was like, that was perfect. Because I think another problem a lot of people have is that last episode is so anti-viewer friendly in the way that it's it's not this big kaleidoscopic, here's all the BoJack characters, here's him getting to see everybody, here's one last hurrah for BoJack. It's quiet. It takes place in one setting with one linear theme. And he only talks to really three of the people that have impacted him throughout the show. And it's really quite beautiful. And, and when it finally ends, it just, it, it, it's so quiet and peaceful and just kind of this final calm moment with the two characters we started it with. And I really appreciated that. And I think it was the perfect way to wrap it up. But I also think that's kind of the reason people want Mars because they want that nostalgic payoff. It's kind of suffering from, uh, Star Wars, The Last Jedi syndrome, and that because it doesn't give into nostalgia of the show, of the fandom, people are mad at it and want to see something changed about it. And I, I hope Netflix doesn't necessarily give into that uh, because I think BoJack has ended perfectly at the right time and it doesn't need to go any further. It's done everything it can. Yeah, I, and I mean, honestly, other than just, you know, BoJack Horseman, I mean, the, the, the creators of the show have just done such a great job of like raising awareness to these like subjects that people don't really talk about in television nowadays, you know, like, and, and but the thing is they tell about it in a very, like, they, they don't, they don't like force it too much. Like, I think I was reading a story about how like 13 reasons why is just utter trash <laughs> compared to horsemen because I, like, look, I've only watched probably like five episodes of 13 reasons why. And, and, you know, I'm not like a big fan or anything like that, but I can just say for a fact that the way that they talk about things like depression and suicide, it is so subpar to what the writers on that show go through in terms of bringing it up and talking about it. You know, it's very, it's, it, they don't throw it in your face. You know, it's very much, they just kind of bring it up and it's more of a discussion if anything. And I think that's one of the reasons why the show is so good and so easy to watch is because it, it builds on these discussions and these conversations that we wouldn't normally have in a show. And I mean, for, for me, at least that's why I enjoyed watching it and just in, in one take, because it's just so, fun and entertaining to watch yeah that's that's the thing is a show like 13 reasons why smacks you over the head with its message and it doesn't do a good job and it oftentimes accidentally glorifies what it's trying to discuss and that's not okay but then you have something like bojack horseman that really does like just the right amount of demonizing but also the right amount of kindness to its characters who are going through it and i think the writer's room on this one is is incredible and i hope they get back together and do a different show a new show Um, i'd really like to see what the creators of this one can do next because they created something special here. And I think they could create something special somewhere else. Well, I mean, speaking of that, I mean, um, Bob Wexberg has like so many other projects in the work. I don't know if you've heard of the, um, the Amazon prime original uh, undone, but uh, that's also created and uh, written by the same guy that did Bojack Horseman and a couple of the other writers. And, and it, it deals very much with some of the similar themes but it's it's a completely different show altogether. But if you're looking for something else to watch after BoJack Horseman, I highly recommend watching Undone. That, that's just my opinion. He he did Undone. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he did. I I, I remember it, I I was seeing ads for it all over the place, and I was just like, okay, it's by the same people that did BoJack Horseman, so I'm gonna take a shot. And I watched it in about two days. Wow. Yeah. No, I'm gonna have to check that out because I didn't realize yeah. that was him. It's a completely different animation style. It's a completely different feel. Um, I've been yeah. meaning to check that out, and now I'm definitely going to give it a watch. Yeah, I mean, I definitely recommend it. 
All right. So I think we're going to transition over uh, into uh, my pick of the week for what you should be binging right now. Uh, so recently I have been rewatching uh, Twin Peaks, which is the uh, David Lynch uh, 90s Showtime uh, original series. It, uh, take, it tells the story of the murder of a high school prom queen and how it affects this tiny town uh, up in up in the uh, wilderness of Washington. And so, so, so Charlie, have you seen any of Twin Peaks by any chance? Okay. I, I, Twin Peaks is one of my favorite shows of all time. <laughs> I got the box set Blu-ray of everything, including I, the movies and the lost episodes. So yeah, I'm, I, I love this one. I'm all over it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think one of the reasons I started rewatching it is because it, it was one of the shows I, I watched with like my little brother and my cousin when I was in high school. And and I just remember my dad saying, have you ever watched Twin Peaks? And I said, no, what is that? And he's like, oh, I can't even describe it to you. Because while I did give like a very like short, brief premise of what the show is, the show is absolutely, it's one of the most out there things I've ever seen. I mean, it's, it, it's as David Lynch running all over it. If, you, if you've never heard of David Lynch, just imagine a guy that basically just throws whatever he wants into the screen and makes a story out of it. That's kind of how I would describe his filmmaking style. But I mean, I, I just can't get over the fact how this show operates and how the writing is just so, it's just so confusing at times, but it also makes sense. Like, I don't know if I'm being any, any clearer at this point, but I don't know, Charlie, what are your thoughts on it? Okay. Twin Peaks is a show that like, it starts out um, in a way that a lot of sort of nineties, small town murder mysteries would start. It starts with, Man finds body, man notifies police, police begin investigation, FBI gets involved, drama ensues. But it's like this show starts out like that, and then there's a midget in purgatory who talks backwards, there's a dimension-hopping giant, there's a lady with an eye patch who thinks she's still in high school because she hit her head, there's a paraplegic being cared for by his 30-year-old wife who's having an affair with a high school. There's all these weird characters and side plots that get thrown in. And then you get into this weird alien stuff and this paranormal supernatural stuff. And it just, it just continues to build and build and build till it's finale of the original series. And it's, it's one of those that it, it stuck out in its time so hard because it was another one of those nineties projects that flipped something people were expecting on its head and kept you wondering and asking questions and confused. And it's, it's just, it's so unique in its time and still like in modern television it's such a phenomenon and and twin peaks is just crazy and it, it does have david lynch written all over it it's got his wacky editing techniques his wacky sort of offbeat dialogue uh i just yeah twin peaks is such an important show and it's so brutally entertaining <laughs> was i well because they came out with the um twin peaks the return which was the uh continuation of the original series because the original season had a two season run that got canceled and then I think it was several years ago, Showtime decided to do a return season. I haven't seen that yet. I've heard that it is not as good as the originals. Um, but I think it's really funny that you're talking about that fandom because it is it is quite literally a cult series. Like, you know, it, it has this very unique following and there were just a lot of people that were really into it. And I mean, some people might compare it to The Room or something like that. But honestly, I think it has just such a unique take on what a crime drama should be mm -hmm. i don't know i i just think that the idea of having a character like special agent dale cooper coming to in coming to investigate 
a a prom queen's murder. Like his character is basically just he, he's this very like kind of like go lucky uh, FBI detective, and he's just so unique in the way that he like perceives the world because he's always like talking about how great Twin Peaks is and how there are so many other people that are like oh I hate Twin Peaks I want to get out of here but he's like oh no it's a great little town it's it, it, I can get my black coffee and I can get my like bacon that is crisp black to a burnt taste on and I, I just think Colin McLaughlin as Agent Agent Dale Cooper is just so funny to watch sometimes oh he's, he's such a well-written character because he comes in and the whole throughout the whole show really he is just He's always positive about things. He's always, let's seize the day. Let's drink this coffee and solve this murder. And before you know it, he's been there for like four years and he's basically a resident of the town that everybody knows. But he goes from, you know, glorifying this pie in a diner and just having a nice conversation with a local he met to quoting the Bhagavad Gita and talking about how when he was with the FBI, they worked with this this case on alien abduction. And it's somehow, what's cool is the show takes the small town murder mystery and through Dale Cooper and his FBI associates scopes it out to this weird national conspiracy that the FBI has been dealing with for years. And there's all this weird lore behind the scenes. And I mean, there's even, there's books that David Lynch and Mark Frost wrote to sort of back up the lore and put what they couldn't put into the show into literature form. There's a, there's a web series called the lost files that takes place before the show, but after the movie Fire Walk With Me. So there's so much at play in Twin Peaks. And Dale Cooper's at the center of it all. And he's just such a wacky, well-written character who's so easy to like and follow through this journey. I mean, I think one of the reasons I brought um, this up is because, you know, like, like I said, it's created by David Lynch. Um, but I don't know if you heard about the new Dune uh, remake that they're making. So Dune was a novel that into a movie by David Lynch around the late 90s. I think it's late 80s, late 80s on Dune. But I I don't know. I just, just seeing like the first couple photos of the Dune cast, it just made me want to rewatch the original Dune because the original Dune is just such a crazy movie to watch just in terms of how it looks in terms of sci-fi aesthetics. Like you got people, you got people with like you know the nose rings and like the nose rings walking around on these like crazy like desert like landscapes and it, and and again it just screams David Lynch because David Lynch has one of these crazy um, artistic views on what he makes like he he has a Netflix short that is that is him interrogating monkey with like this fake human mouth and it's it, it's just a crazy concept to think about but it's also very entertaining in the sense that. It's just so unique and so. Well, yeah. What did what did Jack do or whatever? And that's like a great display of David Lynch's just weird sense of dialogue and how characters should interact with each other. There's this weird like oddity to every character interaction in any David Lynch movie or show ever. And and what so that's what was weird about Dune is people wanted this adaptation of Frank Herbert's sci-fi, just epic, classic, one of the most revered novels of its time. And he made, you know, a David Lynch sci-fi movie about a spice planet with Sting as the bad guy. And people are like, what is this? What did you make? And that's why. But that movie's also gained this weird following because people are like, it's something else. It's something unique. It's something that sort of stands alone in the sci-fi canon. That's what David Lynch has been good at. And that's what Twin Peaks is a testament to is just his unique way of telling a story in a tired traditional format you know it's going against the grain but making something so 
just creative and original. You can't help but enjoy it and wonder at how he did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I honestly think that if you start watching Twin Peaks and you start saying, what is this show? I have no idea what's going on. After about like the third or fourth episode, you start to go, oh, okay. I get it now. Like you start to like, kind of like conform with like Lynch's idea of how a narrative and how dialogue should go. And I, and I like rewatching it. I I'm falling back into that kind of sense of, Oh no, this totally makes sense. Like I understand what's going on now because I am now falling in line with what David Lynch wants me to hear and wants me to see. Like, it's so funny. Yeah. With anything, David Lynch, especially twin peaks, it's okay early on to be asking, you know, what the hell is going on? because he's one of those directors. And I say this about any good director or writer. If there's a question you're asking and that matters to you, they're going to answer it at some point in the future, whether directly or indirectly, you're going to get an answer to that question if you're looking for it. And David Lynch does that very well, especially with Twin Peaks. It's just any question you have, it's going to get answered in some way or another. And you just got to wait for it. All right, Charlie. Well, that's great. That's a great last note. I think we're going to wrap things up for now. All right, so today we talked about BoJack Horseman, which is six seasons and 77 episodes, which you can stream on Netflix right now with a subscription. You can also watch the first two seasons of Twin Peaks on Netflix as well. And with a Showtime membership, you can watch the final season of Twin Peaks, The Return. All right, Charlie, thank you so much for joining me here today. Any last notes you want to tell the audience? Uh, Watch both of these shows. They're both phenomenal and unique in what they do, and I recommend both of them to absolutely anybody. All right. Thank you so much, Charlie. You're watching Watch the Binge with Ryan and Charlie. We'll see you next week for another great episode. Take care.